0: Welcome to the Free Trail Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Dylan Bowman, here today with Adam Peterman, the defending Western States champion and long course trail world champion from Missoula, Montana. A year and a half ago, I had the honor of hosting Adam for his first ever podcast interview. And here he is back for round two. Another really fun conversation. We talk about Adam crewing for his partner, Aaron Clark, to victory at Lake Sonoma a couple of weeks ago. We talk about career management and Adam's emotional stability. We talk about his parents. We talk about Western States and the World Championships in Thailand. We talk about his training methodology and the time he spends on skis and on the bike. We talk about his 2023 racing season and a lot more. As you'll hear, Adam is still considering whether or not he'll race the Canyons 50k next week, but one thing is certain, Free Trail will be there and be there in force for all of race weekend, bringing the hype around the final golden ticket race of the season and the North American Major of the UTMB World Series. We'll be posting more information soon, so make sure you follow Free Trail on Instagram, but here are the broad strokes of what you can expect from us next week. Next Thursday, April 27th, around 4 p.m. Pacific time, we will be doing an elite athlete panel. Friday, April 28th, we'll be doing a free trail Friday with live analysis and prognostication uh, with myself, Sage Candidate, and Corinne Malcolm leading into the 100 mile and 100k races over the weekend. Corinne and I will be hosting the live broadcast for UTMB TV all weekend and we'll finish up on Sunday for a weekend wrap-up summary post game show with the exception of the actual race broadcasts all the other streams will be live on the free trail youtube channel so make sure you subscribe i put a link in the show notes we might do some exclusive content for free trail pro members while we're there so make sure you go sign up for free trail pro also visit free or find the link in the show notes as always thanks to speedland for being the presenting partner of the free trail podcast and supporter of everything that we do you may have seen the big news last week that being the addition of Cameron Haynes to the Speedland athlete roster, the prolific American bow hunter and ultra runner from Springfield, Oregon. Cam Haynes is also an author and podcaster and he just hosted Speedland founders Dave Dombrow and Kevin Fallon for a great episode announcing the partnership last week. You should go check out that episode on Cameron's feed for a sneak peek of the forthcoming Cam Haynes commission from Speedland that will be dropping later The summer. I put a link to that episode in the show notes, so go check it out. Of course, you should also go buy a pair of the GS Tams, my signature shoe at runspeedland.com and use code FREETRAIL10 for 10% off your purchase. Thanks so much to Speedland. Hope you all enjoy the show with Adam Peterman. We'll see you in the outro. Adam Peterman. Welcome back to the podcast, buddy.
1: Dylan, thanks so much for having me on again. It's been, what, a year and a half?
0: A year and a half, dude. And I had the honor of being hosting your first ever podcast appearance. And look where you are now, buddy.
1: Dude, great to be back. I feel like that was one of my best ones. So <laughs> hopefully, this one's good
0: too. You started strong, and here you are following it up with another fantastic performance on the podcast. Dude, we have to start in the obvious place, and that is with your amazing partner, Erin Clark, who just took home a huge W at the Lake Sonoma 50 miler, punching her ticket to the World Championships in Austria. In June, you were there, it seems like, as the crew chief and head cheerleader. Can you please tell us about that experience?
1: Oh, yeah. It it was so cool. So, yeah, Erin, she just won the Lake Sonoma 50-miler last weekend, and uh, yeah, I feel like it was just a really competitive women's field, and honestly, like pretty close for the whole day. I think at the end, she ended up winning by uh, four or five minutes, something like that, but Yeah. She wasn't even leading the race until I think 12 miles to go. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a real nail biter, but really cool to be a part of it. Um, I was crewing her all day. I keep joking. She, uh, she was kind of in the zone all day. And so, you know, when you're crewing, you kind of ask your runner like, Hey, how's it going? Uh, what's, what's going on out there. And I got, I got none of that. So all day I'm just handing her bottles and she's completely silent and I have no idea how she's actually feeling, but obviously she felt pretty good and yeah, got it done. So I'm really happy for her.
0: Really? So there was no feedback in the aid stations that betrayed how she was feeling physically and emotionally (laughs) on the race
1: course. No, no feedback whatsoever. Yeah, Yeah, it was awesome.
0: (laughs) Do you have any anxiety in those moments? Because I know, like, when my wife cruised for me. And I know, for example, like Sasha, Drew Holman's partner, because uh, Ryan Thrower, our our great creative savant here at Free Trail, was there also sort of helping with Drew Holman's crewing. And apparently Sasha was a little bit nervous throughout race day. Do you experience similar emotions out there?
1: Oh, for sure. I I feel like crewing is a lot more stressful than racing you know when you're racing you're nervous the day before you get the butterflies but then once the gun goes off you're just focused yeah but yeah crewing i was stressed out all day and even like the way sonoma was you could crew at mile 13 and mile 20 and then it's an out and back so then you just stay at mile 20 and then they come by at mile 30 you drive to the other side of the lake and see them again at mile like 38 uh but it was really stressful because from mile 13 for them to mile 20, you know, it's only seven miles, but you have to drive around the entire lake. And so I have been hearing rumblings that maybe it wasn't going to work. And maybe it was like too big of a drive for people who are running fast. And so, man, I've never driven so fast in my life (laughs) down that road. You know, it's really windy around wine country and Oh yeah. I was just going crazy. Uh, and then I was 40 minutes early, so <laughs> it was completely unnecessary, yeah. but it's stressful, man. Yeah. It was a whole nother side of it.
0: Well, pat yourself on the back for, uh, assisting in a fantastic victory that gives Aaron a chance to go compete on the world stage. And I want to have her on the podcast. Let her know. I'm going to send her a message and I think I'll we'll let
1: her be... know. She, yeah, she'd be happy to. I yeah. think, uh, yeah, that was awesome for her though. Definitely, definitely her biggest race result
0: so far. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is like, it seems like that was a real breakthrough for her in the trail space. And I know she's just been so successful in her career. And I actually thought it would be fun to maybe talk a little bit more about your guys's relationship and sort of your journeys together as athletes, because I know she had a better collegiate career than you did and then sort of oh, hit, totally. hit a hard patch or a low patch as your career, your pro career was really taking off. So is there anything you mm-hmm. want to say about like sharing the journey and the highs and lows together?
1: Yeah, it, it, that's totally true. Um, she, so we both ran at Colorado, uh, university of Colorado in Boulder at the same time. And, uh, yeah, I think she had success almost right away. And pretty much, I think she ended at Colorado with 11 All-American honors, uh, and, you know, a handful of like top five finishes at national meets, especially in track. Uh, and she was just really, really successful, especially, you know, the 10 K and the 5 K, um, went on to run at the Northern Arizona elite team sponsored by Hoka and Flagstaff. And she loved the team and the coaches like Ben Ben Rosario was the coach at that time. And everything was going really well, uh, the first probably six months, but then she just started developing this back injury that, uh, like she just couldn't really get rid of. And eventually that led to her leaving the team and moving to Missoula, which was where I was living at the time. Um, and she essentially had retired from the sport for about a year, but the way Missoula is and how we have like this great trail running community, I think kind of brought her back in and, uh yeah, that's got her on the track down trail running. And yeah, that's kind of how it went. Um, but it's been cool. Like, I feel like, yeah, both of us have had a lot of highs and lows, like me, especially having lows in college. Um, but like both of us were starting to trail run competitively around the same time. And I feel like we've come a long way since our first races together. Like when she was doing uh Bandera back in 2021, uh, yeah, I think back to that and how we had no nutrition plan or no crewing plan and just showed up. And now, yeah, now here we are. It's crazy.
0: Now here you are just both fantastic top tier pros on the circuit. And it seems like you, (laughs) you guys run together a fair amount, just like perusing your Strava profiles and et cetera. It seems like you get to share some of those miles together too.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. We probably run together twice a week. We have a little dog that likes to run with us. It's a Pug mix, but she's pretty good at running. So she'll she'll go out for like an easy ten sometimes.
0: Yeah, awesome! Whole family out there in the hills of Missoula. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, congratulations to to Aaron and congrats to you on the assist as the crew chief at Lake Yeah, and, yeah tell Aaron. No,
1: thank, thanks so it. much. It was a yeah super special day.
0: <laughs> so again, this is your second time on the show. It's been a year and a half since the last time you were here, and since then you've continued this heroic streak of domination uh maybe a broad macro question to get things started here since winning western states and the world championship how's your life changed because i bet you shake your head sometimes as to where you've ended up in such a short period of time
1: yeah it's definitely it's definitely crazy like i thought i would be when i started trail running i thought that i might be successful but i never never expected this to happen like in the first couple of years um so yeah definitely sometimes i got to zoom out and uh really like take it all in cuz yeah uh it's easy to get caught up in it all but no it's been crazy like to go i think i think back to western states and showing up out there and uh like you know people didn't really know my name or know anything and going in as the underdog to then s- how many months later it was world championships, uh, like five months later, I'm the favorite for the world champs in the ADK. And it was just, yeah, it was just really, really bizarre. Um, fortunately I, I try to take that with confidence and like let that pressure give me confidence, but it's definitely different. Uh, yeah, I definitely value my quiet time more now.
0: but like are people recognizing you on the trails or the grocery store like have things changed to that degree
1: sometimes um so in missoula it's it's not that small of a town but like i've said our our trail running community is pretty tight knit so i feel like you know I, i used to run into people on the trail that i might know and they'd like say hi and know my name um Now what's happening is I'll run into people who I've never seen in my life. And they're like, Hey, Adam. Uh, and that'll happen in Missoula. It happened in Europe. It's happened in Thailand. And (laughs) it's it's kind of mind blowing because yeah, like ultra running is this niche sport, you know, like not a whole lot of people follow it, like compared to maybe football or soccer. Um, but when you are on a trail, like there's other trail runners who follow the sport and, It is bizarre, really bizarre.
0: Do you remember our interaction in that Hoka tent after Western States the morning after your victory? You were just, no, you were
1: just I don't remember.
0: glowing, man. You're just like sitting on the couch in the shade. And I was like, bro, this is going to completely change your life, man. This is totally new and different. And you're like, it's crazy. It's so crazy. Uh, yeah, it is crazy. And I was just like, I love you, man. You are the best. <laughs> I'm so happy you're in the sport. And I was chatting with Jeff Mogavero too, who was your pacer that day. Yeah. And he was telling yeah. me, he was like, Adam ran every single step of the final 20 miles of the race. And I was just like, oh, oh yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) Well, I blame, I got to blame, uh, Chris Brown, who's another Hoka guy in Missoula for that, because he, he'd run Western States two times, I think. And he was like, yeah, you got to run like that hill up to highway 49. And so I remember doing that hill and it was pretty steep, but I was like, yeah, yeah, you got to run it. Chris said you had to. (laughs) And then I remember finishing and I was like, dude, I, I ran every step of that hill. And he's like, oh God, dude, I wasn't, I was joking, (laughs) but yeah, (laughs) I thought he meant it.
0: Yeah. Unbelievable, man. And obviously like winning it on debut is a massively inspiring thing. And I know you probably view uh, there being a lot of opportunity to improve there. And we'll get around to talking about that later in the conversation. I talked to our mutual friend, Mike Foote today, and we were just kind of like talking about you and- thinking about what makes you special. And he was talking about your emotional stability. And as somebody who doesn't know you as well as Mike does, it comes off, I feel like, you know, just in how you comport yourself in interviews or in media or on social media, stuff like that. And it makes me think like about how you've managed your career too. Like after Western States, you're just on this heater, right? You win one of the most important races in the world. And you're signed up for CCC, but you had this sort of emotional intelligence to to bag it, and instead focus five months later on the world championship. And it, yeah. I just I'd love to hear you talk about that like career management stuff because I, I think that showed maturity beyond your experience level and beyond your age.
1: Yeah, it, I think there was. Uh yeah, maybe an expectation that I would run CCC, but I just I felt like I'd already kind of been pushing the envelope by doing uh, Western states that year. like mm. you know, the plan was to do Chuckanut in March canyons in April and then stop and then do CCC. Mm-hmm. So to add Western states in there like already seemed kind of risky. um and honestly, it just like I was so tired after Western states like I wasn't even able to run for almost three weeks. so. that made the decision pretty easy. Um, but I will say, like, I think I've been lucky in that I have, I've had really good mentors in the sport. And I do feel like our sport, uh, is really open with athletes talking about how, when they over race, they've gotten injured or gotten burnt out. And so I think like the, the era of the sport that we're in is, uh, you know, people are really open about those types of things. And I appreciate that. Um, like overracing doesn't necessarily seem glorified. Um, and even from like a sponsorship perspective, uh, Hoka and my my uh, like big boss at Hoka, Mike McManus, he was proud of me for not wanting to do CCC. Wow. Um, he even warned me against doing Western States after Canyons. So I feel like they've always taken our health as like the top priority. Um, so I guess, yeah, to answer your question, I feel like it's, yeah, partially the mentors I've had, partially the where where a sport is. And then I just try to do a good job of listening to my body, especially, you know, in college, I just had so many injuries. I feel like I definitely developed that skill then.
0: Was there any temptation though? Because I think when you're on a heater, the instinct is always to do one more, you know? Uh, yeah. That's what gets Kirk it while it's hot. It gets people in trouble, you know, across any type of sport or even in like gambling or something like that. You know, you, you feel like you've discovered some secret formula that only you understand and that the momentum will always keep going. And so for you, I think winning Western States, it's in like, man, let's go to the biggest stage in the world and compete at CCC. I mean, I'm just wondering if there was, there was any temptation there, if it was just a very clear, uh, you know, like I need to take a break now.
1: I think after States, I was, I was done. Like we yeah. were talking about how you and I were in the tent after the race. Um, it took me like 20 minutes to walk from my car at the other side of the track, a hundred meters to get to that tent. You know, I, I was pretty destroyed after Western States. So I felt like that was a clear sign that maybe it was time to stop. Um, and I, I never felt that way after, uh, well, obviously I'd never felt that way physically after a race like Western States, but. Uh, Man, I can only describe it as like mentally I felt at peace after Western states for almost a month. Mm. I felt like I had I I don't I felt like I had no athletic drive anymore. I felt like I'd accomplished everything I wanted to. And you know, after about four weeks, I was like, is this gonna am I just not competitive anymore? Like have I just achieved my dreams uh, and I'm done? Nirvana but
0: Nirvana and uh I should <laughs> officially retire and live on a mountaintop. <laughs>
1: yeah, totally. It's how I felt. Uh but Fortunately that, uh, that went away and I started getting the fire back, but yeah, there was a good month there where I was, I was, uh, completely content.
0: Yeah. So again, I was talking to Mike foot earlier and he said that you're like kind of working with him now. And I'd love to hear kind of what you have going on outside of your own running career. And I know you guys have like a race coming up this weekend. So maybe you can talk about that and more generally just sort of like, how you've oriented your life now that you've had this clear, obvious breakthrough and establish yourself as one of the world's best.
1: Yeah. So, uh, foot foot and I have been working together, I guess for the past, uh, three years, but so Mike foot, and then my high school coach, his name is Anders. Um, they own an events company that puts on a lot of trail races around Western Montana, the biggest being the rut, the big, uh Rut Mountain Runs Festival in Big Sky in September. Uh, But yeah, they've been they've been my bosses now since about 2020. Uh and it's been awesome. Like just putting on these local trail races. Um they've been really supportive, really flexible with my running. Uh and yeah, we we have a big event this weekend. Uh it's called the Bitter Runoff. It's kind of our kickoff to trail racing season around here uh, because usually the snow has melted and the trails are dry. Uh, this year they're, they're mostly dry. There's, there's a little bit of snow this year still. Um, but yeah, foot and I are co-race directing it. So it's, it's been pretty fun the last month, uh, just like working with him on this and going out to the course and messing with it. Uh, but I think like after I won Western States and had the year that I had last year, it would have been really easy for me to like drop everything else in my life and fully pursue running. Um, you know, I, I re-signed with Hoka this year. I like now could have done it completely professionally without other, other, uh, job coming in. But yeah, I just, I just felt like it would be kind of like not a good idea to just change everything in my life just because I could, right. uh, I felt like the smart thing to do would be continue working with runner's edge this year, even, even though I didn't need to, because I don't know, there's a part of me that kind of thinks that having, having some work to do in the middle of the day and putting on these races sometimes is like, what's keeping me sane. Yeah. Um, so I was, that's, that was like my main decision and like still keeping with the job was I really liked working with those two guys. And, uh, I, I did, I do think it's important to just have other things going on. Um, and sometimes it's not ideal. Like this week for me to get, you know, 20 hours of training, it's, it's going to be pretty hard. I'm, you know, kind of running around all day and sending <laughs> emails at night, but I don't know. I I feel like it's important to have a little bit of that, especially since we're ultra runners, like nothing's perfect.
0: A little counterbalance. Uh, that's kind of what I was getting at is like, I would make the assumption, not knowing the details of your contractual arrangements that you could easily be just a full-time runner, but that, yeah. You know, obviously some things in life are more important than money and just like being out in the hills with Mike Foote and and Anders and whoever else to at least, you know, feel like you get an honest day's work in and be part of the community that has performance enhancing qualities to it too, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, like I always think, you know, we'll, we'll go out and mark the course tomorrow and so we're going to run the 10 mile course with shovels and a pickaxe and all these flags and like this heavy backpack and nothing about it is ideal at all. But sometimes you got to zoom out and you know, you're like, that's kind of ultra running training. (laughs) Like sometimes it's not that fun and you just have to get through it and that's how it works. Um, so I, that's how what I convinced myself is that it's good for me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I think it's important to have that going on. Um, and one I mean a big change I did make last year was I stopped coaching at the high school right. that I'd been an assistant coach at for four years. So I felt like removing that from my life was freed up a lot of time, a lot more time to just train and do those types of things. So I was also I was kind of reluctant to just also leave runners edge events. Yeah. Uh and just yeah, I felt like my life would have too much of a hole in it.
0: Makes sense. I wanted to ask you too about your folks cuz I watched the new humans of hoka video that shows your parents talking about how they each had taken you on miles and miles of stroller jogs when you were an infant yep. and yeah. <laughs> in talking with Mike also he mentioned that your parents are just like really special people and that he and Katie hang out socially with your mm-hmm. with your parents <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah. maybe just tell us a little bit about your, your mom and dad and how they've supported you and in what ways they still play a significant role in your life.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I feel really lucky um, in that my parents were always really supportive of like all the endeavors that I did as a kid, um, you know, whether it was going to uh, like band practice or high school cross-country practice, driving me to school. But I think what stands out is a couple things, but, you know, they went to every single meet that I had as a kid around Montana. And then even in college, you know, they were traveling to these meets, which are now far away from Montana. You know, I'm going to the Midwest, you're going to California. Um, but when I think back, like they were, yeah, they're like always there. And that was, that was really cool. Like, it's just nice to have that support. Um, but I think what stood out the most was after I graduated college, I, I had two degrees like geology and environmental science. Uh, and I moved back into their basement after college with no idea what I wanted to do. And yet I had like these two degrees and had been a D1 student athlete. So I clearly probably could have gotten hired in that field somewhere. Yeah. And I just moved back into their basement and I was just coaching at the high school that I went to as a high schooler. And so I think to their friends and maybe even to them, I just moved back and was just living the life that I lived in high school. Um, (laughs) And I lived there for about eight months. I was working at a gear shop downtown. And this was kind of my genesis into like starting to do trail running and actually considering maybe even trying some trail races and seeing if I could be successful at it. And they, yeah, like they, they never gave me any grief for that. Like they were so excited when I moved back and like, we had a great time. And once I started doing these races, they were so supportive again. And yeah, I just really appreciate that. Like that during that time, when I was what, 23 years old living in their basement, they, yeah, they just never gave me any crap for doing that. They were supportive of my potential trail running dream.
0: And for our listeners, that's only a couple of years ago. I mean, what are you twenty? Yeah, that was
1: four years so, ago.
0: Yeah. How have yeah. they reacted to this meteoric rise that you've achieved in your career? Because like I'm sure for them it brings them an immense amount of pride. And if they I'd love to hear if they like traveled to Western states and experienced that too.
1: Yeah, they were they were there. Um it was kind of funny. They actually went to Western States in twenty twenty one because uh Aaron ran it. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh Unfortunately, she got really hot right away and ended up dropping at Michigan Bluff Um, and then was just like really dehydrated, like pretty sick for a few days. Uh, So it was funny, like talking to my dad after that experience at Western States. I think I remember him saying that he, he didn't want to touch Western States with a 10 foot pole ever again. That's what he said. And so when I also
0: hates Western States, you know, four times and my family's like, I'm never going to green gate ever again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He, (laughs) he hated it. He was just like saying how that race is just like so bad. I think, I think he sent me like the Western States killing machine article, um,
0: a brilliant article.
1: Brilliant. Yep. Yep. Uh, but then flash forward a year and I run and win it and now he just loves it. You know, he's kind of, he forgot about that, but no, they were, they were there, they were crewing. Um, they were at canyons crewing They were at Chuckanut. So yeah, they've been, they've been super helpful. They've, I think they just, they know how much I like trail running and like the process of training for it and how it just like really fits my personality. So I think they're, yeah, they're really happy.
0: That's great. Yeah, I should I should clarify. My my family doesn't hate western states. They they don't enjoy the task of crewing, you know, in a hundred degree weather for somebody who's trying to run as fast as they can. Everything about western states is fantastic.
1: Oh yeah. I, I have a picture of my mom at uh michigan bluff waiting for aaron and it was you know it was 100 degrees maybe even more that day that (laughs) year was really hot um but she's sleeping in the shadow of a dumpster just on the pavement (laughs) with like no pillow or anything (laughs) it was just yeah that kind of summed up how she felt that day
0: that's trail crewing man that's the sacrifice we make The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition, the first brand to believe in our fledgling operation. Gnarly makes the best nutrition products on the market for outdoor and mountain sport athletes, top to bottom. Everything is first class, much like the people that work for the company. You've heard me talk about the Fuel2o drink mix, the BCAAs, the Performance Greens. Well, today I wanna tell you about the Gnarly Hydrate Electrolyte Mix. Harmony, my wife, will tell you I am obnoxious and annoying about hydration. I suspect most athletes walk around at least moderately dehydrated day to day. And I think improving hydration status is the simplest thing that you can do to improve your performance. Of course, improving hydration is not just about drinking more water. You also need minerals and electrolytes, which the gnarly hydration mix has in spades. Loaded with electrolytes and B vitamins, Gnarly Hydrate has everything you need to keep your muscles and brain fully engaged to power through your time on the trails and in your daily life. As usual, you can get 15% off your purchase of Gnarly Hydrate and any of their other amazing products by visiting gonarly.com, use code FREETRAIL15. Back to the show. I want to talk about Thailand a little bit. In the Humans of Hoka video, you say something to the effect of that, you know, you don't perform your best when you're feeling like a a ton of pressure. And I think given your rising profile in the global trail landscape, you must be feeling an increasing pressure. So I I wonder, first of all, if that's the case and if it's something you're uncomfortable with.
1: Yeah, I think. I think that's definitely something I'll have to continue working on because you're right. Like I I do feel more pressure, whether it's from, I guess it all kind of comes from myself, but uh, yeah, you feel pressure to be successful from, you know, like brands that support you and like I have an agent now and things like that. Um, Yeah. And so I think I've kind of phrased it to myself that like having this pressure is a privilege and I should be proud that I've earned that. Um, but yeah, I think what I was referring to in that video was like, here we were representing the like team USA mm-hmm. in Thailand. And like, that's been a huge dream of mine. My whole running career was to wear that USA kit and represent, represent the country. But I knew myself well enough at that point that, uh, like for me to do well, it wasn't helpful for me to consider this ADK race as me representing the country and it's like do or die like i just i don't know i don't i don't run that well mm-hmm. if i'm that stressed out um i think i run my best when i'm pretty relaxed pretty mellow and just go out there and do my thing and so it's uh it's funny cuz i think the media wants you to be like really intense and uh be this certain way about these races but yeah i knew i knew that uh even with all the hype that thailand had like for me to go out there and crush it. Like I kind of had to t- take a deep breath and step back and just remember that I just have to go hammer for seven hours and it's no more than that.
0: Right. But even like thinking ahead towards Western States where you said earlier that you went in as, you know, one of the favorites, I mean, people were talking about you, but of course it wasn't a foregone conclusion that you were going to win the race this year. You go in as the defending champion and there's, it's, it's a significant difference, right? And there's probably a change in internal dialogue that goes on there and there's probably a huge desire to defend that victory. That's what I mean by like the increasing pressure It's maybe not only from people like me in the media, but I'm sure you probably feel that internally too.
1: No, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something I'll have to like continue working on as Western States gets closer. Um, And I think what I need to remember is what, what got me to the finish line first at Western States was that I pretty much ran my own race that day. Um, and that's what worked best that day. And I hope that's what works again. Uh, and so I just need to not get caught up in all that and show up to the starting line, relaxed and excited and just run the pace that I need to all day. Um, yeah. Cause I think, yeah, when you run either someone else's race or, go off some plan that someone else made for you. And then that's probably when it's going to get derailed. So I just have to keep remembering that.
0: It's a good point. And maybe we should spend some time on this too, because we haven't really spoken in detail about this, but of course I watched every single second of your performance and was doing the color commentary yeah. for the entire Which day. is a
1: heroic effort in itself. No, man. So all day long. I can't imagine. Best
0: job in the world. Best job in the world. <laughs> but The maturity with which you executed that performance was remarkable. And maybe this goes back to what Mike Foote was saying about you and just like your emotional steadiness, your emotional intelligence, because, you know, Hayden Hawks, fantastic, super talented athlete, but you're in his league for sure. And he's off the front and you had to make the conscious decision to not chase, right? And to have trust in your strategy, which I think for a 26 year old dude with your talent, I mean, it takes maturity really. really. Is there anything yeah. you wanna say there just in terms of like having a plan and sticking to it and trusting your instincts?
1: Yeah, I, I will say going into Western States, uh, my crew was amazing. They were great. Uh, and one of the guys on my crew was actually Jim Walmsley's media guy the year before mm-hmm. um he was like in charge of posting to Jim's social account but he also had a big part in just crewing him and so his name's Evan he's a good friend of mine uh, but Evan showed me photos of Jim's uh tables he has these timetables of what pace he needs to be running between every aid station uh what his time should be at every aid station and Evan was like hey like do you want this, like we could, we could do something like this for you. And I thought about it for a while. And I mean, maybe eventually that's something I would like to do, but for my first time, when my main goal is to just finish the damn thing, I looked at that and I got, I got really stressed out. I was like, I was like, I think this will be good maybe in a couple of years, but like this year, that's not, that's not the goal. Mm -hmm. Um, and where am I going with this? Uh, but yeah, so I think that was a good reminder to me that I, I needed to do my own thing. Um, and so I didn't want to go for the course record right away or anything like that. Like I just wanted to run my own race and that's kind of how it shook out all day. Like I just went into it with the intention of, I kept thinking to myself, mile 95 exists. And then I would ask myself, like, can I hold this pace for all day? And I felt like if I could actually just run and finish, I would probably finish within the top five or three. I've had that. And I had that confidence in myself, that that's how it would go. Um, but yeah, once I was at mile 55 and like closing in on Hayden, it was, it was honestly hard to believe. Um, yeah. With how, with how I'd felt like that first 40 miles and had gone through a few rough patches already. And then to come through Michigan bluff at mile 55 and, be only two minutes behind Hayden. It was it was surreal for sure. Yeah. Um, and I can't say that was necessarily the plan from the beginning. It's just kind of how it shook out.
0: Yeah, well, again, a really incredible performance. And I think illustrative of, you know, your capabilities, not only as an athlete, but just in race management, race execution. It was as good as you can draw it up, you know? And I think that's something that you can take a lot of pride in. Of course, you do have this remarkable D- distinction of being undefeated in your ultra career. And that of course will not last forever, no matter no. how good you are. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm well aware that will yeah. end. And in, in the, the humans of Hoka video, you say something to the effect of like, I'm not sure why I'm winning necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. maybe I-, I wondered if you're mentally prepared to lose again. I feel like I am
1: because like, yes, I am undefeated in ultras, but like, you know, the week before Thailand, I did a cross country meet with only Montana runners and I got beaten there. It was a, it was a four mile race and I lost by like 10 seconds. And so, you know, I got beaten there. I got beaten at, uh, I got beaten at the Pikes peak marathon. And then this winter, I've been doing a lot of Nordic skiing and I got my, ass handed to me at a 50k I did I mean I was like 15th overall I would have been the third or fourth woman so I will say like yes I do hold ultras and trail races to a higher standard in my mind but I don't I don't necessarily feel undefeated because I feel like I'm doing enough races here where I lose like every few months anyway
0: good yeah is there a part of your game that you feel is a weakness right now is there anything in your repertoire that you're insecure about
1: uh oh for sure like this this winter i made a big point to mainly be skiing instead of running and so this going into western states now like this is the least amount of run volume i've had in my legs um and that was the plan uh when i kind of wrote like the macro training plan for me for the year um but you know, I circled March 1st on the calendar is kind of when running was supposed to ramp up again and put the skis away. Um, but unfortunately I did a half marathon right at the end of February and just injured some tendons in my upper adductor. And so it kind of pushed me back about a month in where I wanted to be running wise. So I feel like there's definitely insecurities I have related to that injury. And, uh, just, it mainly hurts when I'm running fast. Uh, so I feel like right now running fast is, uh, not my strong suit, but yeah, I try not to like focus too much on those and, uh, focus more on the positives for sure.
0: Yeah. I want to talk more about all that stuff, Nordic injury, looking ahead towards Western States, but maybe first I just had Adam Mary on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and he nice. me, Great dude, is such a good guy. And he, he enlightened me about the, in the box Phrase, yes, is something that you use in in the humans of Hoka video too. Yes. So, can you just enlighten the audience as to what being in the box means?
1: Oh, totally. So, I think I'm I'm definitely not the first person to coin this phrase. I think I think it comes from the cycling community actually. Really? um But when so after the world champs in Thailand, I can't remember if it was the night after the race or the next day but all of us from the ADK team were sitting around and we were just like, like, boys, that was really hard. Like that was seven, eight hours in the box. And we felt like this box description was the best way to describe how it was. And I think, I don't know if it was like the humidity and the heat or just like they were in this jungle, but yeah, man, I, I think it's just uh, what everyone describes as like the pain cave or that type of deal. Like there were just points in that race where, uh, it was just so hard and the world felt like tiny and you know sound isn't really coming in you're like it felt like your head was in a box and like you were just in there um and I think I've had that happen in ultras before um but never experienced it like I had in uh at worlds so yeah it's definitely Hoka came again and filmed another episode last month and they were really interested in this box prospect oh, so i'm There's sure good. i'm sure people will see this in episode 2
0: yeah good tease good tease yeah it, I, as a fan of words and humorous descriptions of various physical yeah. and emotional states. I love it. Just uh, so in the box right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, it usually, I think it happens like when you're running uphill really hard, I think that's a pretty good description of that's Like boxy. that's your fastest route to get to the box is just run as hard as you can up uh, Mount Sentinel here in Missoula. But I think in an ultra like you're you're going in the box whether you like it or not. Yeah. Uh it just depends where and hopefully you get out of it at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now I have two ideas for t-shirts I want to make. In the box is one of them and yeah. mile 95 exists is another Yeah. One. It exists.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, even uh Adam Mary he won Chuckanut and yeah. so after the race I was texting him and he'd written on his arm his I think he wrote his wife's name and his, uh, they just had a baby, which yeah. is really cool. He wrote the baby's name, but then on his other arm, he just drew a box
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> to exactly remind right. himself. Yeah. We, so we talked about that on the podcast. That's how I learned the, the, in the box phrase, which I'm absolutely going to be adopting in my own vocabulary. So yeah, totally going back totally. to what you're, I, go yeah. ahead. If you're going to finish that thought.
1: Oh yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of interviews with uh, Courtney DeWalter yeah. talking about the pain cave and right. I feel like when she talks about the pain cave, uh, she talks about like getting real comfortable, like taking a seat and you're kind of just living in the pain cave. Uh, and I guess that's kind of how the box is, but for me, like I, you don't enjoy being in there. Let's be honest. Like it's terrible. So (laughs) the hope is that you eventually get out and get through that patch, but yeah, that's how I feel about it.
0: I love it. So you were just mentioning, nordic and this being the winter where you've accumulated the lowest amount of run volume at least in recent memory maybe just tell us a little bit about your experience in nordic skiing we kind of have a running commentary about that sport here on the podcast and obviously it's an amazing way to train through the winter months and it seems like you've been using it as a tool all, all the last few months
1: Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. So when I came back from Thailand, it was early November and uh, Missoula was just already getting hammered with snow. Um, You know, there's a golf course, like a mile from my house where they already had Nordic skiing by the time I got back from Thailand. Um, And it was crazy, man. I mean, it was that golf course was in from November until gosh, I want to say like mid March, which is kind of unheard of. I mean, there's, there's some years in the Valley here where it's there's never enough snow to have skiing there, and so yeah, it was it was a couple of things. Like I kind of wanted to just lean into the winter, um, because as we all know, it's it's pretty hard to go trail running when it's like nasty outside and the trail is just powder. Uh, so I, I wanted to lean into Nordic skiing and skimo and just enjoy the winter in that sense. Um, but also this year, you know, I'm signed up for Western States but then I'm hoping to run Sierra Zanal and CCC. And so I was hoping to just take a little bit of running load off the whole schedule Mm -hmm. and have a later start this year with the hopes of being able to continue running after Western States. Mm. And yeah, so it was great. I mean, I got into trying to ski 50 Ks all the time. Uh, I'd go for these like 50 K skis, like two or three times a week. (laughs) Um, At one point I even skied hundred K, which was, that was, that one was pretty tough. Um, but no, it was super fun. Uh, we have a great group of guys who I was skiing with and one of my roommates, he's, uh, he used to be an elite Nordic skier for Alaska Pacific university. And, okay. uh, he was giving me a bunch of pointers. So it was fun to just like improve so much at something and like be bad at it at the beginning of the year and start to improve as the year went on.
0: And it seems like you've competed uh, at least once or twice on the skinny skis. Yeah, I did. I did about three races.
1: Um, the first two went really well. Uh, they were just like local. I did a 20 K and I got second and then I did a 50 K and got fourth. Um, but then we went to a more competitive one in West Yellowstone and I, I got my doors blown off. That was, that was the one where I got 15th. Uh, that was like 30 minutes behind the top guy. That one was humbling for sure.
0: Love it. Yeah. When you did your hundred K training day on Nordic skis, some people screen capped it and we're like, you know, bantering about it in the free trail slack oh. channel. It was a fun, humorous, uh, yeah, I don't know. We we're all admiring your multi-sport talents and also like, what the hell? This dude just skied a yeah. hundred in like mid January in Montana.
1: Yeah, that was like a tough day. Days. It was, uh, the, the annoying thing about skate skiing is it's like so, so particular uh, depending on how the conditions are, yeah. which that drives me nuts. Cause you know, I try to be like a pretty positive dude, but you show up to your Nordic track and maybe it snowed even a quarter inch. Like that thing, you're suddenly going from, you were going to go five minute pace and now you're going like nine minute pace. And that's what happened during the hundred K. Like as we're driving up to where our course was, like it snowed only for 20 minutes and it made the whole day be like two <laughs> hours longer than it should have been. And it was, oh man, it was brutal. Yeah. I, I'm, I've, I honestly, I've honestly, i honestly never wanted to drop out of anything more in my life than that. And, uh, but we got it done and yeah, it was, it was a fun day at the end.
0: Way to go. Character building. You'll draw on that at, yeah. when, when 90 mile 95 exists at Western States.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, I wanted to talk about cycling a little bit too, and maybe just to switch it up, but you know, you've been accumulating a decent amount of volume, but you, it seems like you've been doing almost half of it on two wheels, at least for the last several weeks. And yeah, I recall reading David Roche's article that he wrote about your training and sort of provided a, an example training week and you're sort of like pair the cycling workouts are just like the mm-hmm. cycling sessions Is maybe a better way to phrase it on days where you do kind of higher volume or higher intensity run training. Like you do them on the, on the same day, if I'm Mm -hmm. getting that right. Yeah, totally. Maybe talk about the rationale behind that and anything else you want to say about the amount of time you put in on the bike.
1: Yeah. Like I, yeah, I think that's been a big part of uh, training for me is just getting out on the bike and, the main thing is like, I really, I really like going, um, like I've always been, I've, I was always in mountain biking when I was a kid. Um, and now that I have the time as a, as a pro athlete, I think just getting those hours up on the bike has been awesome. Uh, what I have liked is, a, you know, I, I usually try to run long, like three days a week ish, long ish. And, uh, but I've enjoyed like in the morning, I do that long run. And then the afternoon, I might go for like a couple more hours on the bike. So it ends up being like, you know, some days I'll have a six hour day where I ran for three and biked for three. And in my opinion, like that's that's worked really well for me because you can still show up the next day and it's it doesn't feel like you went for a six hour run. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's been something I've been doing probably since canyons last year. Um, I was, I was doing those kind of like pairings, uh, and I've liked it. I mean, my, my run volume is somewhat high, you know, I'll do like a little over a hundred miles a week, but if you add in the cycling, I like, I feel like I'm getting a lot of hours without being beating up my body, like too much. And it makes it so I can just keep doing 20 hour weeks, like week after week after week. Versus if I was just straight up running that much, I think I would have to take little breaks all the time because it's just a lot, a lot of load. So yeah, that's, that was my rationale behind it. Um, and yeah, the bottom line is I, I really just like going biking. So it's just fun to get out.
0: I think it's again, a great example of just you being not only an incredibly talented athlete, but super smart in the way that you go about with your, you know, career execution, because I mean, I don't know if it's something that you've picked up or observed, but that's what a lot of the like top Europeans do. And I think that's one of the reasons why people like Francois have been so strong Mm -hmm. and consistent over time is that he's always doing big volume, but none of that volume is really running in the winter. And then Mm -hmm. also in the summer months, a lot of the European athletes are supplementing with just several hours on the bike. And, and that's so that
1: what I noticed it, he'll go yeah. for like, yeah, hundred mile bike ride, like every couple of weeks or something yep. like that, which I, I think is awesome. And it's cool to see that on Strava now. Cause mm-hmm. I, I remember when I started this biking idea, like I'd seen that on Francois's Strava mm-hmm. and that's nice. You know, you're like, okay, well this guy won UTMB, what, four times? Yeah. Like obviously this works. So it was, yeah, that was definitely gave me confidence when I started that idea.
0: And it probably, in addition to reducing some of that, physical stress that comes from just running all the time. Psychologically too, it's probably as fun to mix it up. I bet also.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. I, yeah. I ride a gravel bike around Missoula and, uh, yeah, you just see different trails and different terrain than you do when you're running. Um, yeah, you can have some fun days where you're just, you know, you've been outside for six, six hours and you've been all over town pretty much. <laughs> yeah. The challenge is just eating enough. That's, that's the main thing. Yeah. Like, I feel like those days I break out the frozen pizza and just chow down on that thing when I'm done.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and that's sort of like your post-dinner snack, yeah. This episode is brought to you by HVMN and their Ketone IQ Supplement. Ketones are important macronutrients with clinically studied benefits for increasing energy and focus throughout the day. Ketone IQ is brain fuel, naturally increasing your blood ketone levels in just a simple, handy two-ounce shot, the perfect thing to throw down the hatch whenever you need an extra boost, either in your training or in your daily life. My wife Harmony and I have become really enamored with this product, honestly, between running our business, my increasing training load, and being parents. We've been operating at full capacity for a long time. I had specifically become overly reliant on caffeine throughout the day until I started taking this product, and I have to say it has really helped me to feel more focused and energized, and especially in my training. I have been having a ketone IQ shot in the mornings before all my long runs, and it really does help me feel steady energy for hours on end, even when the baby has Kept me up at night. This stuff has evidently become really popular in cycling and is just now being discovered by runners. So go check it out. You won't be disappointed. Visit hvmn.com, look up the Ketone IQ, use code FREETRAIL20 for 20% off. Hvmn.com, use code FREETRAIL20. All right. So tell me about this snow joke half marathon because I know that thing puts you in the box and you're still maybe <laughs> feeling it a little bit. Um so yeah. I, maybe just, just to set it up for the audience you ran a half marathon i guess it was probably uh 2 months ago or something like that now. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was uh late February. Y-
0: you posted something like running 510 pace in micro spikes <laughs> it's like <Yep>. totally <laughs> ripped me apart or something like that. So with that context please explain to the audience what I'm talking about.
1: Oh man, yeah, that was that was dumb. Uh so I did a half marathon at the end of February. Uh it's it's just outside of where I live. It's up in uh, Sealy Lake, Montana, but I've actually done it. I think, I think this was like my 10th time doing it. Like I did it when I was in middle school. I did it, uh, in high school. I did a little bit last few years, but anyway, the course record has been there since I think 1980. It's just some legend way back then, 40 years ago. Uh, and he ran, he ran 108, 10, 108 and 10 seconds. And, So, for the last four years, I've gone out there and tried to do it and (laughs) never gotten it. You know, one time I ran 109. Last year I showed up and I ended up getting sick the day before. So, I I just ran it with my dog the last year. So, uh, anyway, this year was the year I tried to go for it. Uh, But like we were talking about, I'd mainly been Nordic skiing and probably running. Like, I think the biggest week I had going in was probably like a 60 mile week. But granted, I've done like two workouts. I did five by a mile and three by two mile at half marathon pace. So anyway, I show up to this race and it's really icy. The way the course is, it's five miles on a highway and then it's eight miles on this dirt road in the summer. uh, That now, that's late February, that road was just like pure ice. So anyway, what I did is I started out on the road with, uh, I was wearing the new Hoka Rocket X2, really nice shoe. I think honestly, that's probably the only reason why I ran fast that day. (laughs) Um, started out on that and, you know, I was clicking off like five tens and felt, felt fine. felt like I could do it for a long time. Uh, that is, wasn't icy at all. So I did that for five miles. I was wearing a little belt that had micro spikes in the back. (laughs) Now I have I've gotten some flack. I, I Apparently, there's some like things called nano spikes that yeah. probably would have been a little better. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I didn't have nano spikes. I just had micro spikes. Uh, so I get to mile five, everything's fine. I turn onto that dirt road, sheet of ice. So I stop, take a knee, do a quick transition, put on the micro spikes, head out again. But now my five ten pace is like way harder of a perceived effort. Like. <laughs> suddenly now I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get this time. Uh, and yeah, I just kept grinding away. And I, the last three miles, I was totally in the box, like going as hard as I could to just hit these five, 10 miles in my micro spikes. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, the last half mile gets back on the highway now it's paved and I still, I don't even have enough time to take off the micro spike. So I'm just sprinting down the highway in my micro spikes on <laughs> pavement Uh, And yeah, anyway, long story short, I got the record. I ran 108.01. And then I couldn't walk afterwards (laughs) because my adductor and hamstring and everything was just completely blown up. So I don't know if it was worth it, but I finally broke that... 50 year old record because of super shoes.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to laugh, but it's just such a funny story. And I know you're still a little banged up from it. So I'm not, I'm not finding, yeah, yeah, it's all not good. finding joy in that, but like in your Strava, you call this course record at this backwoods winter oh, yeah. half marathon in Montana in Sealy Lake, Montana, you call it your white whale as somebody who's yeah,
1: it really was. The, the
0: reigning world champion and who has a Cougar <laughs> trophy from Western States the Sealy Lake winter half marathon, the, what is it yeah. called? The, uh, the snow joke, <laughs> the, the, half, the snow joke, <laughs> the Yeah, snow joke, half marathon. That's the white whale that Adam Peterman is finally slain.
1: Oh man. I feel like that's how it is. Like the, the group of people we have here, we get so obsessed with these local races and for, I'm probably the only one that's that obsessed with the snow joke, but yeah, there's a few key races where it's like that. It's like the snow joke, the Sennel hill climb, there's like a vertical schemo race. I think, yeah, we all get pretty hyped about them. And yeah. uh, so I was just trying to live up to that.
0: <laughs> so tell us about, I know we're sort of like looking ahead now towards the, the spring and summer racing season. Western States is going to be here before we know it just over two mm-hmm. months away. I know you were originally planning to run the 50k at Canyons, but because of this adductor thing from the micro spikes on the carbon shoe yeah. <laughs> debacle, so you're, you're sort of maybe rethinking that. So, so maybe just give the audience uh, a sense of how you're feeling physically right now. It seems like you're still putting in really good training. Um, but you know, talk about Canyons and, and maybe looking ahead towards Western States.
1: Yeah. So it's, a. Uh... Yeah, unfortunately, the thing I did to myself with the snow joke, I, I thought it would just hurt for like a few days. But yeah, I, I just totally flared up some tendons kind of in the upper adductor, like hamstring, like kind of awkward spot, really. Um And fortunately, I feel like in the last two weeks, it's turned the corner. But yeah, the whole the whole month of March, I just got a little bit behind. Um, that's another reason why I was, why I was biking so much, because mm-hmm. uh, I just couldn't run as much as I wanted. So Yeah. So I have the Canis 50 K I've signed up for. Um, and that's in about two weeks from today or two and a half weeks from today. Um, which that was supposed to be like a fun tune up before Western States, get out on the course. Um, so we'll see. I obviously I'd be bummed to not go, but of all the races on my schedule, I would, uh, I feel like the Canis 50 K is probably the one that I care least about, Mm -hmm. I guess to say it that way. Um, so I think in the next week I'll decide if I can do canyons. Um, like you said, I've been able to run a lot, but I'm just a little worried about trying to run fast for this 50 K, you know, it's, it's not a very hilly course. I think a lot of it will be like low six minute pace. And that's kind of what's still aggravating the leg is, is running fast. So to be determined on that, um, but yeah, then I'm I'm really excited for the summer. It's going to be Western States, Sierra's and Al and CCC. So, so just throwing it in with the wolves.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I want to hear more about that. But also, like having only done a snow half marathon in the spring, and thinking about then jumping into what is one of the world's most legendary, iconic, and competitive. 100 mile races a race where you're the defending champion at Western States without any real racing under your belt since November of last year does that yeah. make you insecure at all if if you don't little, do canyons i mean yeah a, a little bit but i think of last year
1: and having done uh like before Western States i had done chuckanut and canyons and like that did give me confidence, but I do remember lining up at Western States and I'd been feeling pretty fried for a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. and on the day at Western States, I felt great. But like the, the training I had those two or three weeks before I was worried for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think having Canyon so close to Western States was a lot for me. Um, so yeah, it, it makes me like a little, I guess I have some doubts about not having raced, but you know, I think I would go, but I'd go back down to Arizona, do another heat camp. Um, in May, maybe even do like, ai don't know if I would run rim to rim to rim, but I just feel like I would get a lot of confidence from having like a really solid training block in the Western States. So I'm not that worried about not racing beforehand. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where my head's at with that.
0: That's interesting. So maybe just to talk about Western States more specifically. And then I'd love to kind of start closing down by thinking about those three races in context, Western States, Sierra's and all CCC, but Western States first, you just posted the other day. Why does anybody want to run a hundred miles? Is it to find your limit for a long day out to share the 99th mile with your closest friends? Something about the beautifully twisted challenge of running a hundred miles across Sierra Nevada seemed impossible until it wasn't. I can't wait for another shot. 80 days. So clearly our guy, the defending champ is really excited and still hungry and motivated to get back there. What do you think you can do better at Western States this year?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like last year was beginner's luck. I guess we'll see. Um, but I just felt like, uh, I did a good job of running my own race and, starting out conservative and then running the back half fast. But it really did feel like last year, like running canyons, hundred K like that close to Western States was just a lot. Um, I remember going to heat camp in May at my grandma's house in Mesa, Arizona, and I would do these runs and I, I mean, I got, I got my training in, but I I felt really, really bad. Yeah. You know, you're, I was kind of limping around, like just feeling banged up really stiff all the time. And I totally had a lot of doubts, uh, going, going into the race. And so when I look back on that time, I just think I was like a little bit, like, I don't know if you'd call it fried, but I just felt like I went into the race and like training hadn't been perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like it never is, but I just feel like this year can like now that I've chosen to race less beforehand, I'd like to think that I can show up a little more prepared. Um, and especially like now that I have another year of trail running under my belt, uh, this winter is like the most hours I've ever put in. If you include the Nordic skiing and the biking,
0: yeah.
1: um, I just feel like I could do it better. Uh, yeah. And maybe even go out a little more aggressively, but we'll see. There's a lot of snow up there. So, uh, yeah, times, yeah. times might be out the window this year. We'll see.
0: Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Is like, no question you could run significantly faster on the course, but every year's different. And this year could be one of those super anomaly, really challenging, slow years, like maybe 2017, yeah. 1995, et cetera. So mm-hmm. anyway, well, we'll be excited to, to, to watch. So maybe then f- finishing with the uh, macro question before we actually close with my philosophical questions, you know, like now hearing what you're, goals are for the season western state sears and all ccc three races that demand very different skill sets and it reminds me of last year when killian did zagama hard rock sears and all utmb so crazy but like I, i wondered if like when you're thinking about how you're training like i remember one of the things killian said is that he was doing a lot of volume, but not like super long day volume where he was still keeping really high quality in his sessions, but he was getting like the volume that he needed to feel comfortable doing long mountain races like Hard Rock and UTMB. Are yeah. you adopting that approach or how are you thinking about the season and context and how you're preparing for all three simultaneously? Cause they do come like back to back to back too. It's it, it,
1: yeah, especially like Sears and Al's yeah, less than two months, I guess, after, after Western States, you know, Sierra's and Al's mid August and then States is late June. So yeah, six weeks, I think. Um, no, that's a good question. I, my plan right now, and I guess it kind of always depends on what, like what happens after Western States, uh, if I'm, if I'm able to run and train, but my plan right now is just to have a lot of running volume and I'm trying to have my, routes that I do around Missoula be more, more similar in like elevation profile to Western States mm-hmm. than, uh, years past. Uh, so yeah, I'm just trying to get big volume. I don't know, like a hundred and hundred to 110 miles a week with biking. So let's say like 20 hours a week of training. And I'll do that through Western States. And my plan is to not have a whole lot of intensity. Like it's all just running around Western States pace and maybe a little faster. Um, but then I figured after Western States, I probably won't be able to do a ton of volume. Uh, just, I don't know, that race really beat me up last year. So there's not a whole lot of reason to think it won't beat me up again. Uh, but I'll probably start implementing some workouts. Uh, and so last year before worlds, I took a page out of Killian's book and I was doing like uphill flat workouts, kind of the same thing he was doing, uh, where you do like hard uphill intervals or like a hard uphill, um,
0: like time trial and time trial,
1: then run back down the mountain to the path at the base of the mountain and then do your intervals there on the flat. So I'll probably, I'll probably add that back in after Western States for Sierra and Al, and then just do much like big, big runs in the mountains that have a ton of vert like up in the high country around Montana, Mm -hmm. but I'll probably have a lot more rest days. You know, I don't, I don't think my overall volume will be, be as high. Uh, so that's the plan right now. Uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's always fun to come up with these plans and I love, I coach myself. So I just love coming up with this and it's just kind of a big experiment.
0: Yeah. And it seems really smart just as, you know, subjectively hearing you talk about it and the reduction of racing volume here in the spring and hearing you talk about how Western States beat you up. I think for the listening audience, it's important to emphasize there's really like no race, at least in my opinion, that beats you up more than that, especially for athletes of your level, because you really are in the box the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to be running the whole time where like at hard rock, you're walking half that course, you know, and same almost the same with UTMB with Western States, you're like really on the gas pedal the whole time. It's a hundred degrees <laughs> the whole time, mm-hmm. the world, world-class competition, all of those things combined really do leave a mark on the athlete. And so, I think you're probably pretty smart to reduce that racing volume, focus those efforts when they matter most. Hopefully you'll bounce back quick enough to get Yeah, that's that's swing. the
1: hope. Yeah. We'll see we'll see if it works for for bouncing back. I know I know in the past for our fellow Americans it hasn't worked that well doing both, but yeah. I figure I'm not doing UTMBA, I'm doing CCC, so maybe uh maybe that'll help although it it seems like in years past like last year ccc was insanely competitive competitive. like in terms of utmb points i think like the top five average guy average utmb points per like guy was pretty similar to for the main utmb as, as it was for ccc
0: that's what makes that race event the whole week so fun and compelling is that occ ccc UTMB are all three of the most competitive entertaining races of the entire year. <laughs> and
1: they're Yeah. three you know, yeah you know, I, I can't wait to get out there. Uh, I went days. last year to crew Aaron at CCC and it was uh, yeah. just such a cool, cool experience, just racing yeah. and culturally and everything. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to being out there again.
0: Amazing. Well, dude, it's been great to have you on the show. Let's close with a couple philosophical questions before we let you go. The first is who is one person that you admire inside or outside of sport, living or dead? And why is it that you admire that person? Yeah, you, uh,
1: it's probably kind of cliche, but I feel like the guy that I look up to and most of us would be Killian. I mean, the way he lives his life athletically and not athletically is just like so inspiring. Um, I got to see a little bit of it. Firsthand, there, he's, he's created a, uh, pro trail runners association yep. to have a more, more of a voice from the elite athletes in the sport for things like all sorts of different issues, whether it's like r- relationships with UTMB, uh, like environmental issues within the sport, uh, more inclusivity within the sport. And I just, I feel like it's really cool that this guy who's the, he's the goat, you know, he's, he's won everything over the last like 10 years he's made a big point to be more than just an athlete um and i think that's really cool like all, i always look up to the things his foundation is posting about environmental activism and uh you know the fact that he chooses just to live in norway all winter and and not race and uh like he only travels internationally like once or twice a year and yeah i just feel like he's a incredible role model for all of us to look up to and that's, that's my guy that I've chosen. It's uh, yeah, he seems just like an incredible human.
0: Yeah. An obvious answer, but also a beautiful answer. And I totally agree. What a great example for all of us. Final question for you, sir. What is one truth that you've learned about yourself or about life in general through your lifelong experience as a runner?
1: Ooh, one truth I've learned. Uh, I, I think I'm, I have i do not know if this is the truth. I, I feel like I've really liked ultra running because it seems like you're, it, it shows to you that you're capable of doing things that you don't think you can. Uh, like running a hundred miles still to me seems impossible, mm-hmm. just even going and running that far. And then like you go do it and it takes a day or less, I guess. Um, but Yeah. I just, I just never would have thought that it'd actually be someone who could run a hundred miles. Even, even as a collegiate athlete, I thought if I ran a hundred miles, I would break my foot. That's what I always thought. I thought I'd break my foot if I ran a hundred miles. And, uh, yeah, I feel like ultra running has broken some of those limits down in my life. And I feel like that can be said for everyone who's in the sport. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's something I've definitely learned a truth about, about myself in the past few years.
0: Break the limits, bro. Well, Adam, it's been great to be in the box with you here on the free trail podcast.
1: (laughs) Rebrand the The box.
0: (laughs) The box podcast. (laughs) Remember that mile 95 exists and I'm looking forward to seeing you at Canyons, buddy.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure talking with you.
0: In the box. So good to have Adam back on the show. What a great kid. Wise beyond his years and silly talented. A truly dangerous combination for Adam's competition. He is somehow criminally underfollowed online. I put a link to his Instagram and his Strava profiles in the show notes. So go follow him and wish him good luck in the 2023 season. A reminder about Canyons next week. We'll be doing live streams Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So make sure you tune in and follow. Follow the action on FreeTrail's YouTube channel. You can find a link to sub- subscribe to our channel here in this episode's show notes. Thank you to our sponsors. Speedland, run speedland.com. Use code FreeTrail10 for 10% off the GS Tam. Gnarly Nutrition, gnarly.com, Use code FreeTrail15 for 15% off the great nutrition products. HVMN, visit hvmn.com. Use code FreeTrail20 for 20% off the ketone IQ. A really awesome and interesting ketone supplement. Appreciate you all so much for listening. I love doing this show. I have so much gratitude for the loyal audience who listens every week. You guys are awesome. I love you dearly. Talk soon. Bye-bye.